Welcome to a Football Friday, Bird Gang. Perhaps one of the more unusual Football Fridays. Plenty of questions about the game at the Jets, none of which involve X's and O's. And we'll get into what the Cardinals need to do to win in New York. Mike Jarecki has his three keys and the X Factor, plus General Manager Steve Keim. Some strong statements. We'll see how his team reacts. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 329, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. LMJ, these are certainly unprecedented times in our country and really the entire world. We are living through a pandemic. Things can change at a moment's notice, meaning what is true as we record this podcast may change by the time the Bird Gang has a chance to listen. So we're operating today's show in the words of General Manager Steve Kahn, who this morning on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station said, quote, like anything else in 2020, we will prepare as normal and adjust as necessary, end quote. Of course, the Jets earlier this morning reportedly had a presumptive positive test for COVID-19, which for several minutes, maybe several hours, kind of threw things all into a lurch, not knowing what was going to happen. As we've seen already, the NFL has moved the Patriots-Broncos game to Monday night. The Titans-Bills are scheduled for Tuesday. Right now, though, as head coach Cliff Kingsbury said, it is business as usual. Cardinals and Jets week five 10 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, and according to the NFL Network's Judy Batista, who's covered the league for a long time, uh, paraphrasing, if one player does test positive or it's a false positive, the league would not cancel a game. That's good to know. We'll wait and see, but we are just going to go as this was a normal football Friday here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. So, Let's get into it and specifically what Coach Kingsbury had to say because it was the same question you asked of him a week ago. He was asked again the preparation, how practice was, the energy, the focus. His words felt like a good week of preparation. Then, of course, he added, we'll see if it translates. Well, initially I thought losing to the Lions was a wake-up call. And then when you lose two in a row and you go back and watch the film – and this is very correctable when it comes to tackling, uh, obviously staying in your gap. And then, you know, trying to get the opposing team off the field on third downs and in the red zone. So I, I think in, in bringing a guy like Buda Baker back, who Steve Kime really said is the heart and soul of this defense, I think he's the glue of the defense. We know he's a leader. You're going to have Deontay Thompson out there. So things will be different. But sense of urgency, attention to detail, look at the small things. You can't have 12 players on the field and then have 10 players on the field. you got to avoid these uh, pre-snap penalties, post-snap penalties. Um, I know what's going to happen. And last week, penalties wasn't an issue, okay? That, that was not an issue, but you could check that off the list. 
and no more excuses. You played 25% of your season. Everyone's been in the same boat. Some teams are ahead of the others. Clearly, the offenses are much ahead of the defenses. And normally, when you get to December and January, Craig, as Bertram Berry says, give me a, a, a traveling defense, a good special teams, and you can muck those games out. So, you know what is, we talk about a, a foot Friday and a Fitz Friday. It's get back Friday. They got to get this game. Get right Friday because this is one you have to have. And we've heard not only this week, but we've heard it time in and time again, the adage, control what you can control. In fact, Buda Baker brought it up earlier today when he was asked about what's going on with the Jets. It's all about focusing on yourself, focusing on the team. Do what you can do. And I think with the way the Jets are going right now with without a win and just not very good on offense and struggling at times on defense, this is a game the Cardinals should win. And it's certainly a game that right now they need to to get rid of the bad taste from the previous two weeks and then just get some positive vibes, some positive momentum moving forward, especially as Larry Fitzgerald pointed out yesterday, look, the NFC West, this is a tough division. You can't fall too far behind and hope to catch up. You need to keep pace and hopefully at some point get out in front of everyone else. Yeah, I mean, just based on, you know, the schedule, and we know, you know, we didn't think that, at least I didn't think the Niners would lose to the Eagles, but I got to assume when it comes to the NFC West, um, they're probably all going to win this weekend, and that means the Cardinals should be in that conversation. Well, let's look at it real fast for the Bird Gang. The Seahawks host the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. The Rams are at Washington, and the 49ers host the Dolphins, again, on paper, all winnable ball games for the NFC West. None more winnable on paper here than the Cardinals going to take on a Jets team. Only the 10th matchup ever between these two teams, and the Cardinals have not won against the Jets in New York since 1975. They don't play a lot, but often enough to where you certainly don't want a fifth straight losing trip to face the Jets because the Cardinals have lost each of their past four visits to New York. All right. We gave you your homework assignment on Thursday while you were watching Thursday Night Football. It's time for Mike Jarecki's three keys plus an X factor. What must happen for the Cardinals to get a victory on Sunday? Let's go through them one by one. MJ, the first key in your minds for the Cardinals here in week five. Well, number one would be Cardinals' run defense must improve from the last two weeks. They're ranked 19th in the league against the run. They're coming off a loss, gave up 170 yards. I do think if the New York Jets are going to be competitive in this game, they're going to want to run the football. Once again, keep the Cardinals' offense off the field. They do have Frank Gore, very savvy back. He's patient, could be your short yardage guy. And then you have a guy like Le'Veon Bell, who I would consider a dual threat. They have no problem you know, running that screen pass, and the Cardinals got to do a much better job covering the screen because basically you allow the guys to rush up the field, Flacco holds, holds, and then he throws that pass, and a four-yard pass becomes a 10-yard gain. Um, so they, they, they have to make um, them, you know, obviously, you know, put them in third and long, basically. So I want to see the rush defense because that's where you're going to hang your hat. Um, we'll see if they're able to force any turnovers. And then, like I said, by – Putting them in third and long, that will help you not only in the red zone, uh, but also 
when you want to get them off the field. The Jets just 26th with the rush offense this season, 98 and a half yards per contest, though they do have some veterans who know what it's like to have extended running plays and be good in the ground game in a Frank Gore and a Le'Veon Bell. We'll see just how much, if any, we see of Bell on Sunday. Remember, he's coming off injured reserve, got hurt in week one, a hamstring injury, and you never know with those, but when you're talking about Bell and Gore, these guys are well experienced, and that's can be a little bit of a concern just because the experience can sometimes be better or outweigh talent, especially when you get in between the lines and you start playing for real. Yes, and so I'm going to go with number two. Make Joe Flacco one-dimensional. Talked about that regardless of the, one of the biggest just weaknesses is their lack of big plays generated on offense. They're ranked 32nd in passing 179.5 years per game. They're only averaging five-yard point uh, per pass. Obviously, that was when um, Darnold and Flacco got two uh, receptions and completions. He'll be under his center. He won't be in the shotgun like uh Sam Darnold was. So, you know, the Cardinals' defense, um, if they make them one-dimensional, we talked about shutting the run game, they make them one-dimensional, um, then I think you, when you look at it from that standpoint, it's really going to help them possibly get some turnovers. And get some pressure, maybe Chandler Jones. Remember the last time he played at MetLife Stadium last year against the Giants, had four sacks. He only has the one this season. That was week one. So certainly would love to see 55 come off the ball. Maybe not only get the sack, but a strip sack as well. Make, how about this? Make your presence felt if you're Chandler Jones in this week's contest on the road in New York. Yeah. And, and hopefully that's the plan. We're going to get into that here momentarily. Number one is Kyler Murray's got to improve in the intermediate routes, 11 to 19 yards. Right now he's 54%. That's down from a year ago. He's got to go through his progressions. Now you're starting to see, um, you know, some, you know, some more fantasy sites, but it obviously is analytics and football. And they're wondering why this offense is not clicking with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. Is he becoming too much of a focal point? I want to say maybe he's 37% going into last week of the Cardinals offense. I don't believe that's the case. I think Kyler Murray's got to improve. And it's not so much as sitting in the pocket. It's, you know, expanding the pocket, move outside, shuffle left or right. And guys are open, a healthy Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, according to Steve Kime, they got to get him involved early. We heard about this last week. I don't know why it's not happening. Um, and then you throw in any Isabella. So he's got to improve. And people are going to say, why don't they take more shots down the field? Listen, on the deep balls this year, they've attempted 14. Three of those got zero yards, okay? Besides Isabella, um, you throw in Edmonds and, and Christian Kirk and Hopkins, they haven't really been able to extend the deep ball. So the intermediate should be your bread and butter when it comes to the, the quarterback position. Look at the really good quarterbacks. They make those throws in, in, in their sleep. So that has to improve if this team's want to get, you know, quote, um, rhythm on offense and get into sync. Well, if you're completing a lot of those intermediate routes, if you've got a good ground game, then all of a sudden that sucks the safety and the secondary closer to the line of scrimmage. And then that perhaps will open up some of these deep shots. This is not a 
throw deep kind of an offense. This is not Bruce Arians where we've got six home runs, if you will, that we hope to utilize each and every week. It is establishing the run, getting Kyler Murray into a rhythm, as you pointed out, and then see if you can catch the defense off guard and connect with an Isabella or a Christian Kirk or maybe even a DeAndre Hopkins over the top and then kind of surprise the defense, if you will. All right, what's your thoughts? The speculation is that DeAndre Hopkins, clearly you and I have watched every single play. They weren't covering them in the first week, two weeks. What do you want him to do? But when it comes to helping them win, um, the percentage isn't as high as I thought. Now, that's analytics and that's more fantasy, but do you think he's become too much of a focal point, or is it a case where he is one of the top three receivers in football, Clearly, he's not a speed guy, so it's not like you're taking shots, but he's a guy that yards after catch. What are your thoughts? Well, if it's the case of the first two weeks where the defense was playing off and almost ignoring number 10, then absolutely. I would throw his way every single time and then make him be the playmaker and have defenders miss, which he's very good at. Now, if it bogs down like it did in Carolina and you're getting wrapped up immediately, then you have to spread it around because all of a sudden he becomes the focal point of the defense. And if the defense is going to take away DeAndre Hopkins away, which they should, that should be the focal point, then it should open up for a Larry Fitzgerald or a Christian Kirk or an Andy Isabella. So I don't know if it was so much that Murray was relying on Hopkins. They don't have a lot of history. In fact, they have zero history, notwithstanding the weekend that they spent or the couple of days they spent in Dallas together. So I just think... When the defense and when Murray breaks the huddle and sees the defense not even paying attention to Hopkins, but just throw it his way and keep doing it until it no longer becomes effective. Problem is, was when you force it. I think in Carolina, they tended to force it to DeAndre Hopkins, and that is what you can't have happen. And that's a great observation because that's when they were throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. It worked in the first two and a half weeks. The last game, teams, they have two players over there. You know, normally he gets a block down. I use the word slippery, tiptoes down the sidelines. That that four-yard extended run play becomes an eight or nine. But in that last game, it's on film. And it really happened in the second half a little bit in a Lions game. So, um, again, I agree with you, but I think spreading the ball around will actually open things up for Hopkins in the future. And I think sometimes we get a little bit too concerned about targets. And, yes, we've chronicled here on this show that Larry Fitzgerald needs to be targeted just because of the energy that he provides to his teammates and to the entire stadium, really. And then there are certain points of a ball game, third down, fourth down. Well, you look for number 11 because he knows he's going to catch the ball. But if he only has two catches for an entire game, and they're big-time catches, they're important catches, then that's fine. It's all about, and this is something that kind of gets overlooked, when you're winning, no one really cares. It's when you're losing, and that's when people start nitpicking the stats and figuring out, well, why is this guy not getting the ball or this guy was open? You know, it's hard. I mean, it's easy for us in the media and for fans to look at a game, watch the game, and say, oh, this guy was open, that guy was open. And yet when you're Kyler Murray or whomever in that pocket, what are you seeing? What, what different movements, what different hands and arms are you seeing in that pocket? 
and then certain plays are designed to go to a certain direction and to a certain player or a certain spot. So all very subjective when you come to play calling. It's the decision-making that I think Kyler Murray, that we all were told, had improved. And I think at certain points we're seeing it just not consistently. Yeah, the headline, should the NFL be concerned, or in this case, should the Cardinals be concerned with their offense? And it grabbed my attention, and I'm always willing to learn, and maybe there's something in there I didn't notice because we're all looking at the same thing. We don't. There's the coach's film, but it doesn't come out till Tuesday, so I try to watch the shortcut. But, I mean, the considering they added Hopkins and they got pretty much the same roster, and, and then, a, you know, a Kenyon Drake that had an entire offseason, you would think they'd be further in the process. That's, that's, I use the word puzzling, perplexing, and maybe it's time. I mean, I'm really curious to see how this team comes out just based on what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Well, if they come out like they did in Carolina, then the game is going to be over with. And that's, you, you, you can't come out slow, even if it's a Jets team that has been struggling because as we talked about it, they're hungry. They're desperate, and a desperate team can be a dangerous team, especially if they get hot early or they start hanging around and it's a low-scoring game and they only need a field goal late. So how this game starts, which is uh, a contradiction to everything else because as they say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. For me this week, it is how this team starts. Well, I mean, they did start off fine. I mean, I know we're talking about body of work. Nine-yard pickup, first down. He missed Larry Fitzgerald. According to Kahn, that was a 40-yard pickup. Second possession, he's forcing the ball to Kirk. He missed three guys underneath. I mean, yeah, defensively, they're on the field a ton. I mean, it was, they were down 14-0. So you could say that they started off slow. But to start the game, I mean, they had – and I know a lot of people aren't big in momentum. Larry catches that ball, there's momentum. Yep. They they move the chains. Uh, what, whether he tries to force it to Kirk, and I don't begrudge him. That's that's it. That's what a deep shot is. I mean, you're taking a shot. Um, but they had some momentum, and unfortunately, that would have helped the defense. But as the game went on, they didn't match the intensity. I agree with that. So you've got your three keys: run defense, make Joe Flacco one-dimensional and Kyler Murray with the intermediate passing game, get him in a little bit of a rhythm, something that general manager Steve Kahn brought up this morning when he was on with Doug and Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Before we get to your X Factor here, MJ, I want to remind the Bird Gang to update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more makes it real easy this app to kind of get all your news and information all the videos and great photography from team photographer Derek Spencer so it's all right there in the palm of your hand and don't forget if you're somebody that's traveling or maybe you're not around the uh, TV uh, I recommend go to azcardinals.com game day central game day center it's got everything what time the game is stats uh, twitter accounts that you would like to follow on game day. So I recommend that uh, one-stop shopping, so to speak. And I know everyone can't watch the game and be around the uh, the TV, but if you want to be informed, and as Craig pointed out, uh, really one-stop shopping with the Cardinals' new, improved, and refreshed uh, 
uh, app. So there's ways you can follow along and you get all the podcasts down there for, across the, the forum and, and across the uh, Cardinals website. All right, MJ, your X factor, someone or something that we should all be paying attention to this Sunday. Well, I think it started maybe last Sunday in our post-game show. When you look at Patrick Peterson, yes, he, he did have the interception, but he's, he's given up some space. And whether they're playing a shell zone or man-to-man, uh, he's got to be better. I would think that, you know, he's feeling the same way. We talked about, you know, him having a chip and a boulder on his shoulder. Well, we need to see it. Chandler Jones has been contained, not the first time in his career. Uh, being double-teamed and chipped, they're trying to move him around. Um, you take a look at, you know, DJ Humphreys. He's a guy that got extended. I uh, was able to stay healthy. He's got to play better. I thought both of the tackles couldn't protect the edges. Um, and then it's not just guys that are making the most money on the roster. I think when you look at Kenyon Drake and Larry Fitzgerald, they just haven't had the opportunities. I mean, that's how I feel. So um, what I'm getting at is they're, they're money players. They're five-star players. They got to play better. And, Steve mentioned that on 98.7. I think we've been talking about it for at least a week. I know he brought it up on the post-game show. So, and Kyler Murray, he's got to play better. He's not making, you know, um, he's not in the top five on salaries. Um, they got to get more from, you know, some of their second and third year players. Byron Murphy's got to play better. You know, unfortunately, Kennard's not out there. So that other guy's got to step up. So, it's just not their 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 five star players, but you know their money players. That's what they're paid to do, and then you need some other guys to fill in those roles. Here's the exact quote from General Manager Steve Kime this morning with Doug and Wolf, and then I want to talk more about it because I found it very interesting. It's a lengthy quote, Bird Gang, but stay with us here because I want to make sure the entire comment is out there and not kind of picked in part and then just kind of cut and then uh, taken out of context. But Kime was asked about how he felt the confidence. Did he still feel confident in his team? And he said he did. He believes in his roster. He believes in his players. And then he said this, quote, to be quite frank with you, we've got a lot of guys making a lot of money, and that's how you build the roster. You have to allocate the money in particular spots, and when you see players who are making an exorbitant amount of money, those players have got to be productive. In my opinion, our stars have not played like stars. End quote. Did not specify any names, MJ, but it's very easy. A Google search, you look for the top money makers who is making the most money on the team. Talking about seven figures, eight figure salaries. And it's simple. It's, it's, it's not easy to figure out who Kime is calling out without calling out their names specifically. Well, he did mention two names. Well, he was asked about both Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones. But in that specific quote, he didn't bring them up. But the follow-ups were, yes, two of the players that we were just talking about, your big money players that have to play well for the defense to play well and for your team to play well, just haven't been great or up to expectation. With regard to Peterson, quote, this is General Manager Steve Kime. He's got to play better. We have high expectations for Pat. Then he added that Peterson has the same high expectations for himself. And then with Chandler Jones, it's just the opportunities. There were three or four times in which he was this close. I've got my two fingers together on sacking Teddy Bridgewater. But you just got to be a little bit quicker. 
get off that block, get away from that left tackle or the right tackle, and make your mark, make your presence felt on that football field. Yeah, and, and some people may look at this like, well, how's the locker room going to react to it? What I would say, go look in the mirror. How much have you done? Now, I can make the case a couple of guys just haven't had the opportunities, but they're going to be lumped in there based on their salaries. But look in the mirror. Can everyone say they've played a full four quarters or four quality games? I think I think we can count on one finger, and those guys probably haven't played every snap besides Buddha. So, yeah, I mean, listen, this is a business based on production. If you don't like it, go out there and prove the GM wrong. So I, I got no issue. And I'm sure when he, he looks at the staff, they got to do a better job. And I'm guessing that this is nothing that Kime hasn't said to his team, to his staff internally, because it's one thing to make these comments public without bringing it up during the course of the week or during the course of the season, and all of a sudden this takes players by surprise. My guess, without knowing anything, is that these conversations have taken place because you certainly don't want something out there that's making headlines. I mean, these quotes, this quote, MJ, is all over the place, locally and nationally, because right now the Cardinals, people are wondering, two and two, losing two in a row, what's going on? Yeah, and including what we discussed earlier is what's wrong with the offense? Should there be concern? Um, yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, though, usually when Bruce Arians, not usually, when Bruce Arians was here, he would talk to us and then we would go in the locker room on a Wednesday or Monday. And he would walk through the cafeteria and said, I just ripped you to the media. And they, and he thought it was funny. And the, those guys were like, okay. So we would go in the locker room after his press conference and said, Bruce has said this about you. Now, Kime is the GM. He, you know, he doesn't have press conferences four days a week. He can walk down the hall after practice, come up to my office. He's not going to share those conversations, but I assume he's had conversations with players that he's expecting more from. And that, and that, as a player, you could respect that. A man to man, eye to eye conversation telling you where you are and how does that translate to what you're going to do in the, in the future. So. And I'm sure when they meet with, as a staff, he has conversations with Kingsbury. We need to be better across the board. And I like what you said. If you're upset with what your boss, and let's be honest, that's who Kime is. If you're upset with what your boss has to say, the onus is on you to prove him wrong. Because at the end of the day, you can be replaced very easily. Now, when you're talking about professional sports and the money and all the different roster moves and the rules, it becomes a little bit more difficult. But I think you understand what I'm saying is like there is always someone that is ready to take your place. No one plays forever. Again, eventually Larry Fitzgerald will call it quits, but you have to be able to show up and show out on Sundays. And right now, I just don't think a lot of players are consistently during the course of a game on a Sunday. Since Kime has been doing his Friday um, hit on 98-7 with Doug and Wolf at 7:45, he's been consistent. He likes this team. He likes the leadership. He's disappointed, like everyone else, uh, how this team has played. One thing to go out there and get beat. I mean, it's going to happen. It's the NFL. There's parity. Look at look what's happening right now with scoring, and the Cardinals seem to score more than 30 points. 
He likes his team, but based on what they did in the offseason, he thinks they should be playing better football, whether that's 4-0 or not. 3-1. and 3-1 sounds a lot better than 2-2. Two and two. So uh, he believes in his team. And I, when you believe in something, it's probably for you as a parent, you believe in something as a, for your kids. And it, you're thinking, all right, this could be a lot better. You know, put the time in. So maybe it's a bad analogy. But I'm just saying he believes in his team. And he has a right to, to voice his opinion because, you know, we don't see what happens behind closed doors. Well, and it's we see what we see on Sundays on television or when there are games played in front of fans at State Farm Stadium. Everyone is disappointed, and I think it's good for the fan base to hear and to see that disappointment from the guys who make this roster, whether it's the general manager or ownership, everyone is disappointed and two and two is not acceptable based on how this team started at two and oh bird gang subscribe to Arizona Cardinals podcast on Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, Stitcher and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals underground, the big red rage. And of course this show Cardinals cover two visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more. A couple of quick notes here with respects to the team and one, we keep bringing them up, but we actually did finally hear from Buda Baker with regards to how he is feeling. This will be his first game post right thumb surgery. He will be wearing a cast, but his fingers will be accessible, meaning they will not be cast. They will be able to be used to either wrap up or tackle. He did admit, MJ, that it is going to be restrictive, but he did get used to it against the Lions, and he was a beast all over the field. So maybe you don't get both hands on the ball. Maybe it's just one hand. But the good news is is he will be on the football field, and that will certainly correct, we hope, a lot of the mistakes that we've seen, especially last week in Carolina. Yeah, that was one thing I noticed when I was able to take that picture on Wednesday. He had that thumb uh, cast on his thumb but his four fingers were out and I thought that was important so you know he's always does a good job wrapping up and you know I asked him about the tackling and he says you know guys weren't wrapping up guys were just trying to lay out their shoulder and that's not football it's technique head up wrap up tackle bring to the ground so obviously he'll lead by example and if you're not doing your job he's he's a guy that will, will say hey um, pick it up. You know, it's not personal. Pick it up. We need you. So I think that will improve. But I'm glad because I think it would have been difficult for him to play with one hand with the club. And that's when you start talking about fingers. The thumb, they can, it's a small cast and it comes down right to where his fingers come out. So his fingers can extend and that's going to help him obviously making tackles and trying to get his hand on some footballs. Yeah, he wasn't sure how long he'd have to wear the cast, and then once the cast is removed, he'll be in a splint. Again, how long, who knows, but as long as Baker's on the field, hey, him at less than 100%, and even with the cast on the thumb, okay, maybe he's 95%, if you will. He's still better than about 99% of the players that play his position. Well, you said it. If they had 53 Buda Bakers, this team wouldn't have to worry about coming out flat and tackling. Um, I think just to guess um, – I think as as long as there's no setbacks and obviously they're protecting you with the cast, I think the cast will get smaller on the thumb. Just but again, there's no hurry. 
They got the bye week coming up, but I, I do think if there's anything, and he did say he's going to have to wear a splint probably the remainder of the season, so you, that supports it. Paraphrasing, at some point he wears will wear a splint, and that's to where he's going to it, the hum the thumb thumb will heal and he'll be able to move it around a little bit. So good news for him. And anytime you don't have any lower extremity injuries, uh, shoulder. Um, you know, obviously uh, concussions. This is a, f- a good way for him to get back on the field. One other player that we could see on the field sooner rather than later, and this is something that is not yet official, but Kaim did acknowledge that they have talked to Prince Amukamara, the local products out of Glendale, Apollo, someone that Kaim mentioned, MJ, that they had talked about in the spring, yet Prince wasn't sure what his plans were, and they went in another direction. And now all of a sudden you might see the hometown kid play for his hometown team, much like a Devon Kennard, a Brett Hundley, a Christian Kirk, a DJ Foster. Who am I missing? Oh, yeah, Byron Murphy. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals love these local kids who were outstanding in high school and now playing in the ranks. Yeah, I I liked him coming out of high school, um, from Apollo High School. I um. He's bounced around. He considered maybe taking a year off or considering what his future is going to be. And then he was in Oakland, or excuse me, Las Vegas. Um, and then they released him. And, you know, obviously he's a body. You know, depth-wise, you're adding experience. I mean, Seattle went out and signed uh, Shax Harrison. I'm like, wow, how are these guys that fall off the cliff? But. You know, you're getting an opportunity. So, you know, you got T.J. Ward, and because of COVID, you know, we'll have to wait and see because it's not official. Um, but he was asked about it. Um, yeah, you can never have enough depth. You know, clearly, you know, guys like Kevin Peterson and Charles Washington are more special teams players. But if they got to play, they got to play. Losing Chris Jones didn't help. Um, and, and then you look at um, Chase uh, Whitaker, Um He's a slot guy, so be curious. But Prince does bring experience, local guy, so it's probably a feel-good story. Quoting Kaim, liked what we saw on tape with respect to Prince Amukamara. So we'll follow that story along, and perhaps it does become official next week to add some depth, and then we can get more into what it perhaps means for the rest of the roster. All right, before we get out of here, Manish Mehta covers the – the New York Daily News, or the, yeah, I think it's the Daily News. could be the Post, but apologize to him. Um, but he was saying when um, Adam Gates was a wide receivers coach in Denver, Brandon Marshall uh, went, to Indiana, uh, went to Indianapolis, and he had 21 catches in the game, and he's predicting that DeAndre Hopkins could break that record of the most catches in a single game. And I don't know if he was being facetious, um, but he thinks Hopkins is going to get targeted over 20 times in this game because one of the corners they went out, who you're going to tell me how many interceptions he has, uh, he's bounced around five or six teams. They think he's their best corner, and he's not – I mean, yeah, he may have some interceptions, but teams are targeting him week in and week out. Well, maybe that's why he has the three interceptions to lead the NFL. <laughs> you're talking about Pierre Desir who is on his fifth different team, the former fourth-round draft pick at the Cleveland Browns back in 2014. He certainly has a lot of opportunities to get (laughs) interceptions. 
because he does have three, and one of those was a pick six. So if he gets targeted or if he's the guy on DeAndre Hopkins, who knows? In week one, Hopkins was targeted 16 times. So you're talking about at least four more targets, or if the record is 28, you're talking about 12 more targets at least for DeAndre Hopkins. I would I would certainly find that hard to believe. Yeah, and he got that uh, pick six off. Uh, it was against the Broncos. I think it was Rippon was in there. MJ, it's uh, uh, I, I, I was feeling a lot better about the previous two weekends. Uh, I still feel pretty good about this weekend, um, but there is a part of me that now is at the point where I need to see as opposed to just the hearing of players and coaches saying what is going to happen because now it's all about uh, delivering on game day. So let's bottom line it. It's about results. I mean, at the end of the day, to see this team catch, not, not lightning in a bottle, catch some consistency across the board and play a, a good football game, regardless who you're playing, and build off it because we know it's going to get difficult. So the bottom line is results. Yeah, don't pay attention to who your opponent is or what they've done. Just make sure you're out there executing, eliminating mistakes, and coming away with execution. And then all of a sudden we can talk about a victory Monday here on Cardinals Cover 2. All right, MJ, we will talk again on Sunday, of course, from State Farm Stadium where everything is kind of headquartered during this unusual 2020. Cardinals, though, on the road at MetLife Stadium. 10 a.m. is the kickoff, 5.30 a.m. Pre-game coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. We will talk to the Bird Gang on Sunday and, of course, on Monday as well here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next week here on Cardinals Cover 2.